Hi there, you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast, the show produced in Sydney, Australia, where we speak to leading guitarists and guitar figures all around the world. My name is Matt Wakelin, and thank you so much for joining me. Now, in today's episode, we speak to Albert Lee. That's right, the Albert Lee, whose explosive rock-infused country picking has won him a legion of fans since the early 1960s. Lee's remarkable career has seen him working as a sideman to Eric Clapton, Emmy Lou Harris, the Crickets and the Everly Brothers, while stepping out as a frontman since the late 1970s. Lee is a Grammy Award winner and a member of Guitar Player Magazine's esteemed Gallery of the Greats. Now at the age of 74, Lee's chops are as keen as ever. Just check out his latest release, Live at the Iridium, that came out earlier this year for free. And uh, Albert was kind enough to join us on the eve of his 2018 Australian tour, including shows at the Sydney Guitar Festival coming up in August. All right, let's just get straight to it. Here's my conversation with Albert Lee. Albert Lee, welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Albert, we're, uh, we're really looking forward to you touring Australia um, in August. I know this is your first tour here in around 10 years, but it's certainly not uh, your first trip to Australia. Oh no, I've been I've been coming quite a bit over the years, maybe a dozen times, but uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a, a little while since I was since I was down there, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, I was just listening to your latest album, Live at the Iridium, that was released a little bit earlier this year, and um, and it finds you and your band in in such great form. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't. Uh, I'm just trying to think who's on that. <laughs> it won't be the same musicians, but sure. it, they'll they'll be they'll be just as good. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I I plan to bring my uh, the American band down with me, but the drummer can't make it, so I'm I'm bringing uh, uh, a drummer I work with uh, in England. You know, so it's a it's it's a mixture. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, but well, you know, I've worked with these these guys for a while now, so. You know, it'll, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Fantastic. And they're looking forward to it too, of course. Oh, but you're almost heading into your sixth decade as a professional guitar player. What, what keeps driving you to keep recording and performing? Uh, well, um, I'm, I, I feel fortunate that I, I can still play, and, uh, and I've always been able to play because I've always, oh, I've always been able to work you know i think in some respects uh uh if i if i'd been uh, like a, a household name you know in some super group uh you know my playing might have suffered uh, you know i think a lot of those guys just don't play every day they don't need to you know but uh i've uh you know no, never a week doesn't go by without me having to play somewhere you know so uh, which you know keeps me uh, in fine fettle. I like to think. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Like I said, listening to that record, um, yeah, there's as much verve and and joy in those licks as as I've ever heard. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be going to be good. Now, your your breakout hit as a, a solo artist was, of course, Country Boy, which came out in 1975. Now that's been. Um, been said to redefine country guitar playing for for you know a new generation of players. People like Ricky Skaggs, who of course covered it later in his career. How do you feel about being such an influence on on a whole generation of players? 
Uh, well, it's quite an honour, really, you know, to be, uh, um, you know, coming from England. And uh, I, I get asked uh, often, they say, well, how did you get into country? And I say, well, it, really, it, it wasn't uh, uh, any more unusual than, uh, you know, a British guy get, getting into the blues, really. Sure. It was something I liked to listen to, and uh, I, I became uh, quite good at, at it. And uh, and to be able to go to America and be accepted by, um, you know, such great players over there, you know, that, that was... Uh, uh, icing on the cake, really. You know, I think they liked my approach because I, I, I was, I was playing their country music with a, a bit more of a rock and roll, you know, British rock and roll mm -hmm. edge, yep. and uh, so, uh, um, you know, I, I was, you know, certainly well received when I when I got to got to LA and uh, and it's and remained so. You know, it's been great. You know, a lot of, there are a lot of players out there who play play like me now. You know, which is uh, it, you know that's an honour too. Really, you can tell. Well, I can tell when I listen to certain guys. I say, well, I think they've, I think they've listened to me, and uh, but but you know, I I listen to a lot of American players, and uh, I can hear influences all all the the, the players I grew up with. You know, so we just. Uh, we pass it, pass it on, you know, pass on the torch, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Interesting. You say when you were when you went to America. So that's the mid seventies, I believe. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Well, I started touring in the early seventies with a band called Head, Head Hands and Feet, and uh, and then you know I was the band broke up, but some of us stayed there, and and then I ended up with the Crickets, Buddy Holly's old yeah, band, yeah. the Crickets, and. And through them, got to meet some of my heroes, my other heroes, you know. And and the longer I stayed in L.A., the, the you know, the bigger foothold I, I was able to uh, make, you know. And uh, and it, when I jo I joined Emmy Lou in 1976, I realised at that point that I was, well, this is it now. I'm playing with a uh, with an American band that's really uh, going somewhere. She'd just done a second album, and so uh, it was. Um, it was just uh, great to be, uh, uh, you know, to make that move. Exactly. Yeah. All well, she's an institution. Yeah. I mean, speaking of other American institutions, you ended up being the music director for the Everly Brothers when they did their reunion tour. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I'll get that. That does get quote, quoted. Uh, <laughs> now and again, I, w I wasn't. I wasn't really the musical director, you know. In fact, the band—they put the band together. Fortunately, they both chose me to be the guitar player, but uh, they picked the other musicians uh, as well. And uh, and we were all very familiar with the music, you know. We grew up with it, and uh, and you know, we'd we we'd be rehearsing and then we'd put on the record and listen to it and say, Oh yeah, I remember that, yeah. And it would all fall into place. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really uh there wasn't really any moment where, you know, so oh no, well you do that and you do this, you know, everybody really had a, a feel for the music and, and it just fell into place. Mm -hmm. How about the Eric Clapton gig? You spent around five years uh playing beside Eric and singing in his band. Tell me about that. 
Oh yeah, well we we we've been friends for a few years. We met in the early in the mid '60s in London, playing the same circuit when he was with John Mayall and I was with a guy named Chris Farlow. So uh, you know, I'd, I'd see a lot of him. You know, we got became friends, and then uh, and then he formed uh, Cream, and uh, I'd run into him occasionally. You know, and uh, I guess it was a few years later that I did get to finally uh, spend some time with him and that was in England I was he was uh, uh, involved in an album of an American singer named named uh, Mark Benno and uh, they suggested that I, m- I might be good on the record too you know so I did a more or less a whole week in the studio with Eric and uh, at the end of which he said hey he said uh, I've just the last tour I did I didn't have a a second guitar player and uh do you you know do you want to come out on the road and i said well, well uh sounds great you know in fact my first record had just just about to be released and uh, i thought what well, and i didn't know what to do at that time i thought what well, do i get back with emmy lou do i put a band together or what what do i do and then and of course, I had the offer from Eric, and I thought, well, this, I'll do this for a while. This should, should be fun. Uh-huh. And uh, he actually fired the whole band after the first tour and um, uh, and retained me. And then uh, a couple of years later, he had an English band and fired all those guys, and, and still I was able to hang on to my gig, you know, but... but uh, yeah, after so it came as no surprise when he let me go after five years. Right. You know, cause he, he was um, he was going through some uh, health things, and I think you know. Uh, uh, but you know, we're still good friends, and I've done the Crossroads concerts with him, and other you know a couple of other things. So we're we're still good, still good mates. You know. Great, great. Yeah, he uh, he certainly name checks you as, as one of the the greatest guitar players in the world, indeed. So. No, no doubt. Uh, well, Why yeah, that's that? another that's another quote that I I, <laughs> I uh, it makes me cringe a little bit. Really? I, uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't I don't think it's the kind of thing you would have said. In in fact, I did uh, ask him about it one time. I said, I I said, Eric, I really have to apologise. I I keep seeing this quote about you saying that I'm the best guitar player in the world. You know. And I said, you know, I said, I know you wouldn't say that because I, you know, the, we all know there there is no greatest guitar player in the world. There, every there's so many styles and and uh, you know we cover so much ground, you know. And uh, you know, he, um, jokingly, you know, with a twinkle in his eye, he said, "Well, I might have said it, you know." <laughs> I, I just left it at that, you know. But I know he has said some nice things about me, and uh, I'm. I'm very grateful for that of course yeah. that's great that's great so yeah Albert you've, you've had an incredible career as a sideman I, I read uh, somewhere that that you are reluctant to front your own band though is that true oh uh, I was at the beginning yeah um, I didn't start singing on stage until about 10 or 15 years after I started playing and uh, I started to feel comfortable with it. And then I was with Head, Hands and Feet in the early 70s. And uh, uh, I used to, I was one of the, one of three singers. 
And, uh, you know, when I was with Emmy Lou, I'd sing a song or two. When I was with Eric, I'd sing a song or two. But it was um, it was in the 80s, really, that uh, a friend of mine in England, uh, Jerry Hogan, he used to run a steel guitar festival. And uh, he called me in L.A. and he said, oh, he said, I want you to come over and play my festival. And, uh, and uh, I said, oh, okay. He said, yeah, well, you know, we do about an hour and, you know, we can run through some of your songs and whatever. And uh, I thought, well, I was, uh, <laughs> I thought, I felt quite daunted by it. You know, I thought, well, I've got to, I've got to front the band for an hour. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, we did it and uh, it, it went so easily. And uh, um, I thought, you know, I, I should have done this I should have done this so many uh, so many years before, you know, and uh, and I you know I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, and still doing a, a occasional sideman for other people too. You know. Sure, sure. Now your nickname used to be Mister Telecaster, but it, it may as well be Mister Music Man because you've been playing those guitars for so long. When when did your association start? Uh, well, I I met uh, uh, Ernie Ball and Sterling. Ball in in the early seventies when I was with Head Hands and Feet they oh, heard okay. our they heard our country boy on the radio and uh, they came came to see us play and uh, and uh, they were quite tickled to discover that this this new band that they were listening to were English you know so uh, uh, we became great friends from there on you know and um, um, it was through uh, Sterling his in involvement with um, the Music Man Company, which was uh, run by Leo Fender and Tom Walker. Leo Fender designed the guitars and the basses, and Tom Tom Walker designed the amps. Mm -hmm. That's how I got involved with Music Man. And then uh, Leo went off on his own and started GNL. Yes, yeah. And... Uh, um, and then the, you know, the Music Man name kind of... They... they they were. I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but they decided to. Uh, Tom decided that he wanted to sell the company, and he, and uh, so only bought, bought bought the Music Man name and retained Tom for a number of years. But uh, really, they didn't put any amps out on the market, and uh, I don't know why actually, because uh, they, they, I always loved their amps. I thought they were great amps. They were a little expensive. But uh, um, but all of, you know there are a lot of expensive amps out there now you know. But the first thing Sterling and his father wanted to do when they bought the Music Man name was uh, redesign a guitar, and I was there at, on the ground floor with that. You know, I gave my impression of what I'd like in a guitar, and the uh, first guitar they did was uh, the Silhouette, which I immediately started playing. Okay, yeah. and. Uh, and I loved it, you know, and I started leaving the, the telly at home. What, what were some and, of the things uh, in that guitar that you were interested in uh, in incorporating to, as, as a point of difference from the telly? Uh, well, um, I, I took the silhouette out on the road with the Everly Brothers, and it, the, the, the pickup setup was uh, just like a Strat, you know, three pickup and, uh, you know, five-way switch. And... Uh, I, the guitar was so comfortable, you know. It's a, it's it looks like it's a short scale, but it just uh, the way the it's designed, mm -hmm. 
um, it looks, you know, the whole guitar is shorter than the than a Fender or most other guitars. And uh, yeah, so I immediately fell in love with them. And then um, Sterling had another design uh, that he was trying to uh, get going at the at the trade shows and the, the NAM shows, and uh, I really liked the look of it. And uh, um, but it, they they decided not to do anything with it with it at the time because they had they had limited production, and uh, of course they'd taken over the the production of the. The, the big selling uh, Music Man bass that everybody okay, loved, yeah, you know, yeah. the Stingray. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I I played one of their uh, guitars, you know, that the prototypes, and it was, it was actually called the Axis at the time. And I played that for a number of years, and, uh, you know, it wasn't available to the general public, you know. So when eventually they got the production up and... Uh, and Sterling approached me. He said, oh, he said, well, I think we're going to put your guitar out. You know, do you want to make any changes to it or just have it as as you've been playing it? You know, so we we just left it as it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't exactly the same because the prototype I had was all maple. Okay. And uh, so the the first ones they made and still make are ash body with a maple neck, you know. But since then, they've they've come out with some different innovations, you know, like a double humbucker and a, a three P90 model and tremolo or without tremolo. And mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I was I was really ha- really happy when it came out with my name with my name on it, and uh, you know, because they're, they're they're really cool guitars, and uh, you know, a few people have uh, have uh, been playing them over the years, which is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, definitely. They seem to have been accepted by a lot of different styles of players too, like from rock players um, to country players and, and lots of points in between yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I suppose, you know, that there are a lot of guys have, you know, country blo- guys have uh, have picked up on them because they've heard me, you know, so yeah, sure. I guess, you know. But it, but it, it is a versatile guitar. And then they, they came to me and said, well, we're thinking about putting out, uh, you know, a double humbucker version. You know, what do you think? I said, well, you, you guys know best. You know the market, and uh, they've been uh, they've been good sellers. You know, they're very popular, yeah. and they're great great guitars. You know, and they've got a rosewood rosewood neck too. You know, so it's a slightly different innovation. But I still like I still like the maple neck with the uh, three single coils. Okay, yeah. And is that uh, is that the type yeah. you'll be bringing? On your uh, on your next tour, uh, yeah, I'll probably bring one of those down too. Yeah. Okay. And what about amps? Do you yeah. use backline? Do you have um, certain requirements when you when you're doing the festivals and and, and touring gigs? Well, you know, um, I, I use uh, I stopped using the Music Man amps a while back, even though I, st- I still love them. And uh, but they are they are like thirty years old. Those amps, you know, I've got a bunch of them. You know. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I got uh, someone suggested that I try the uh, Fender Tone Master, and uh, I've ended up with like uh, three of those. You know, I've got one in England and uh, two of them in LA. And um, what I what I like to do with them is is cut a um, cut ports in the back of it, so it's an open back cabinet. Oh, okay, yep. 
and uh, which is I got that idea from Eric actually because when he when I started playing with him he was he was playing uh, um, Music Man amps like a, a big a large cabinet open back with just two uh, twelves in it so it was it was like a, a twin amp but with a much larger box you okay. know. So uh, I started playing those for a while, you know, when, that, when I was with Eric, I had some cabinets built, you know. But, uh, yeah, now I'm, I'm using these um, Tone Masters and, uh, uh, you know, I've cut the ports in the back and uh, so that, you know, it's got that open back feel to it, you know. Yeah. But um, trying to locate some of those, you know, when I'm traveling around the world is a, a little difficult, you know, so... I opt for the the easy way out and uh, suggest I have a twin or two. You okay. Know? Yeah. So that that's probably what I'll be using in Australia when I come down. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's good good ubiquitous choice, and uh, I'm sure you'll make uh, good use of it. Yeah. Well, when I, when I'm on the road in the states, yeah. So if I go, if I'm playing on the east coast of the states, you know, I can't bring my own stuff. So, sure, yeah. you know, they supply twin amps and I'm always happy with them great stuff and um, yeah. what does the rest of, of 2018 hold for you so as we said the, your new album Live at the Iridium was just released you've got the Australian tour uh, I see you touring in the States oh again. yeah well, well we did yeah that, that's not um, that new actually but they needed something to uh, to uh, promote while we were down there you know? oh okay, and, uh, okay so that that's uh but it gives a you know fair representation of what I, what I'm doing on stage now, you know. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, we'll be selling those at the gigs. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. But, uh, Very cool. Well, Albert, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real honour to speak with you. And um, and as I said, yeah, there's a lot of um, anticipation leading up to your Australian tour. Oh no, you're welcome. I'm really look, looking forward to it, and uh, thank you for your interest. All right, there you go, my conversation with Albert Lee. And really, it's no wonder why he is so well-loved by his fans and peers alike. What a humble gentleman and absolute legend of the guitar community. Make sure you check out dates for his Australian tour in August 2018, including at the Sydney Guitar Festival. All right, make sure you stay tuned to us here at the Guitar Speak Podcast. Subscribe if you have not already on iTunes or Stitcher or many of the places where you can get podcasts because we've got heaps of great stuff coming up. Today I spoke to Kaki King. That was very cool. She is amazing. So that interview is coming up soon. Also interviews with Dave Leslie, Steve Edmonds and John Stenslin. Just to name the ones I've already got in the can. All right, my name is Matt Wakeling. Thank you so much for joining me at the Guitar Speak podcast and we'll see you next time. Bye now.